We have been duped by feminism, sexual liberation, and antidepressants. We have been told that we are powerful and free now as women, but we feel tired, wired, and bitter. We're mostly eating right, exercising, and meditating, wrangling to-do lists, and arranging playdates, and yet there's a haunting hollowness beneath the huge complaints. What if I told you that there is a huge storehouse, a reservoir of energy inside of you that has not been tapped, that you could feel light and pulsing, excited and alive in ways that a wellness lifestyle cannot deliver, that you could trust yourself, that the world could feel safe and that unexpected and expected delights could start to illuminate your path. No coach, therapist, doctor, or guru required. Just you learning to get real, present, and attentive with you. I feel like I'm here to matchmake your inner parts for the greatest love affair ever written. I want to help you learn first where you're buying eggs from the hardware store, which is the source of all pain. I want to help you master entering through the upset, which is the only spiritual practice you'll ever need and to get real comfortable putting on your villain crown, which is, in my opinion, the key to true power. And then you'll attune to your inner yes so you can live the life defined by the specific pleasure of who you are. I am so excited to announce my latest book called The Reclaimed Woman, which is available for pre-order now. So if you head to the link in show notes, you can learn more about bonuses, events, and companion offerings. And I cannot wait to see your gorgeous face on the path. I'm Dr. Kelly Brogan. You may know me as a New York Times bestselling author of a book with an exploding pill on the cover, renegade psychiatrist, pole dancer, or honorary member of the Disinformation Dozen. What can I say? I'm a born provocateur. I've spent most of my recent life exposing deceptions, connecting dots, and discovering the secret places my inner victim is still waiting to be liberated. And now I feel called to help you reclaim all of your parts, your health, your sexuality, your power, and your expression so that you can finally truly own yourself. I want to ignite in you that inner knowing and the pulsing vitality that lives beneath your disempowerment, disconnection, and resentment so that you can audaciously, courageously, and playfully alchemize your struggle into the specific pleasure of who you are. This is Reclamation Radio, a Soul Fire production. Hi, and welcome back to Reclamation Radio. I am Dr. Kelly Brogan, and I am here with my gorgeous, incredible, radiant girlfriend, Katie Hess, who is the founder of Lotus Way. And we are going to be diving into many, many layers of the conversation around how to work with the natural world to bring yourself into alignment. And I don't throw around those terms very readily. I, as a hardened New Yorker, I think bring a huge healthy eye roll to this idea of like (laughs) working with Gaia and Mother Nature and, you know, all of the abundant healing, you know, energies that are available to us at every turn. And it's true. And it's true. So I needed a particular ambassador. I needed a particular medium to introduce me more deeply to what I think of as the feminine world of flower essences. I was trained in Bach remedies before meeting Katie. And I always thought of that system as being rather masculine. And it's not like I'm saying that pejoratively, it just a lot of the remedies seek to help you work with these sort of darker, more rigid realms, I think, in a way that feels almost condemning. I don't know. When I did my training, I felt like, oh, wow, if I need that remedy, I must be really fucked up, you know? And there's (laughs) something about this extraordinary encyclopedic library of elixirs that Katie has built that feels beautiful and smells 
delicious and is an experience of coming into the pleasure of what it is to heal through flowers. So welcome, my love. I'm super happy to be in conversation with you here in this formal setting. (laughs) So happy to be here. And I thought we would dive in before we talk about your art form and your dharma and your gift. I thought we would just talk about how you got here, you know, because I met you years ago and it was clear that we have a soul level connection and complementarity. And I met you already well on your path. And so I was realizing like, I don't even totally know how it is that you found yourself in this world of flower remedies and working with flowers as a healing modality. Like how did that come about? Yeah. After I graduated college, I left the country. So I saw all my you know, older peers getting cell phone bills and car bills and house bills. And I was like, I can't get trapped and not really know why I'm here. So I had, I had lived outside in Europe for several years. And this time I was jumping to Mexico. And I did volunteer work there for a couple of years. And then on my off time, in my like free time, I would study every kind of natural remedy that I could find. And I actually stumbled on flower essence. This was a really weird day that was like a national holiday. There was nobody on the street. And this beautiful indigenous woman came up to me and handed me this flyer. She had braids that were tied together with ribbons and she was really beautiful. And I remember like looking down and usually you like toss the flyers, right? Just throw them away. And I looked down and I was like, whoa, it's a course on something I'm actually interested in. So I ran around for a while looking for this woman and it was like, she disappeared, she vanished. So I took that as a sign and I went to Mexico City. I met my teacher there. He was, he had flown in from Madrid, Spain. And he basically said two things that just like hooked me for life, essentially, because I had been looking for a long time. Like since I was seven years old, I was like, where are my people? You know, like maybe you had a similar feeling. It's like being in some like teeny tiny town in the upper peninsula of Michigan and it's winter and it's freezing cold. I'm standing out on US 2 highway by myself in the dark, afraid of skunks. You know, it's like, what am I doing here? And so I... I read this book about astral projection and then every night I would just try to like project myself to wherever I should be with the people I wanted to be with rather than stuck alone out in this middle of nowhere, right? But that never really worked. So it was like fast forward until I was in my early 20s and this teacher, he said, if we can get 3% of the world's population actively working with these remedies, it will change the course of the future of this planet. And to me, that seemed like such a big proposition. Change the planet, like change the future. What does that mean? You know, and so many people, you know, we all say like, I want to help somehow. So that really spoke to me in like a grand way, but also in a way that was like 3%. Well, that's easy. You know, like I think we like bang our heads against the wall these days thinking about all the problems there are and how could like little old me or little old you or how could one person make a big enough impact to change the world. And 3% seemed easy. And I would guess that it's probably 1% today. So I went back to the States and (laughs) I was like, I'm going to bring flower essences to the United States. It's going to be amazing. (laughs) And that was 2001 and nobody cared and nobody cared about meditation and yoga wasn't even cool. (laughs) So it's been a long road. The first 10 years I did one-on-one therapy. And then I started collecting my own flower essences. And then really it was just seeing the transformations in my clients that were, was like mind blowing. And then I was like, how, and this is like where you and I sort of intersect. I started learning about how many people were getting prescribed antidepressants and anti-anxiety medication and how many millions of children in this country are on ADHD medications. And I thought, how could that be possible in a world where there's also access to this natural remedy that's so powerful. It changes people's faces and body language and their stories in like a matter of days or weeks with no side effects. Like what gives there? How is this? How are these two things possible? You know? And so from there, I had to teach myself to be an entrepreneur, to be able to get this to more people. Because I, I think another place where you and I intersect is 
I really more and more now than ever, you know, it started back then in the late 90s, but now more than ever, I believe that the only way to change or transform the world is here, is inside, is to change ourselves first or transform or alchemize ourselves. So this is one way that I've seen that really powerfully supports people in doing that. <laughs> no, it's perfect. I'd love to pause though, because I'm, I'm sort of realizing that there may be a lot of people listening who don't exactly know what a flower remedy is. And so maybe this is a good moment for you to explain like actually how you make them actually how, because when you say like, oh, I'm just wandering around collecting, you know, mountain flowers. And, you know, I, I can't imagine what people think is happening. Like, do you have like a mortar and pestle that you're like, you know, grinding them and then putting them in people's tea or whatever. So I think it would be amazing to also speak to what is now in the zeitgeist, at least among my colleagues, which is understanding the informational power of water, right. And how it is that we can transmit very significant energetic signatures. And perhaps even this is what our human biology consists of is structured, informed water. And, you know, I'm like, wow, all of these homeopathy and, and flower remedies, all of these, you know, ancient practices and esoteric practices have certainly been leveraging this for quite some time now and thought of as being like, you know, all placebo effect or whatever. And now we're understanding, you know, actually it's the science of water that helps us to see. So I think that that's probably a part of how you produce these remedies, right? Is to imprint water. And how is it that you imagine these particular flowers are influencing people? Yeah. I mean, it's been happening for thousands of years. You see in cultures all over the world, whether it's in Central America, you see it in Australia, the Aborigines would drink the dewdrops off the tops of bush lollies. Alchemists, nuns, herbalist doctors in Europe in the 13th, 14th, 15th centuries would prescribe their patients to go out into the wild, look for a specific flower, and then drink the dewdrops from the top every morning. You see it in Taoist culture, you see it in Himalayas. It's everywhere for so long. And what you're talking about in terms of the science or technology of structured water is that in one, what is it, in one cluster of water, you can store 44,000 pieces of information. And so if you, if you look at the age of the earth, you know, sometimes we think of the earth as this flying rock through space. I think of it as this living, breathing entity that's been around for 4.5 billion years. There's so much wisdom there. And each flower for me is like an antenna. So it's like floral Wi-Fi or botanical Wi-Fi. Kind of like if you think of the movie Avatar, you know, you walk through the forest and it isn't just the oxygen. If you look at forest bathing studies done in medical schools in, in Tokyo, they show a distinct relationship between your cortisol levels plummeting and your white blood cells going up. So your immune system is stronger, you're less stressed. But the thing that I really find interesting about the power of Mother Nature is there is this exponential quality to it. So if you, for example, if you go out into the wild, let's say you take a trip to the Everglades and you pitch your tent somewhere up high where the alligators aren't going to get you. If you stay out there for one day, all of those health benefits will last in your body for one week. And if you decide to stay out there two days, they last in your body for one month. So there's this exponential power of mother nature. And the same is true with the flower essences and the dewdrops. And the, the way that you scale the dewdrops is like more similar to homeopathy than say herbs or essential oils. Essential oils, you need like 40 roses for one drop of rose oil. And we work with essential oils also. I love them. That's part of like the yummy, sensuous experience that we love. But what's really doing the heavy lifting are the flower remedies. It's like the consciousness of a plant. You know, and you see, I mean, it's become very trendy in the last five years or 10 years, this idea of sacred plant medicines. And there are over 40,000 flowering species of plants in the world. So there's so much potential. Each of those flowers can do like 100 different things for the human psyche. And it's just, it's really gentle. You know, pregnant women can use them. Babies can take them. So it's different from something like, like a psychedelic plant medicine that's like packs more of the punch right away. This is like very stepped out, very gentle. And really allows us to be aware of like what's in our blind spot. 
what are we not seeing about ourselves? I mean, because, you know, like in science class, they would say we use 10% of our brain. What does that mean, actually? Like, what are we capable of as human beings? And what are the things that are holding us back? I mean, I find these questions so interesting. It's like, you know, if I were to say like, okay, who out there has like maxed out their potential? Like you are as bold, as beautiful, as wise, as loving, as forgiving, as gentle, as strong, as wild as you'll ever be. And you've just maxed out. That's it. (laughs) And scene. (laughs) Right. Nobody says that. It's like, how do we know innately that there's more? And that there are these little, like, funny things that hold us back from our family lineage or childhood experiences. And what I've seen with flower remedies is that they take the, like, normal amount of personal growth you would go through in life of about six months and, like, speed it up to about one or two months. It's just, like, putting the accelerator on. And I think medicine women and men knew this, you know, of thousands of years ago. Like, if you, if you had a moment and you had a rough time... You can see it from the Buddhist monks to the medicine women in in Central America or in India. You would, you know, select specific flowers, soak them in water and dump it over your head. Like you're saying water is the medium to to be able to affect the waters in our body. And the, you know, there's so much we could talk about, but it's like turning up the volume on our true nature and turning down the volume on the things that kind of hold us back from thoughts and emotions that we carry up to six to eight generations back in our lineage that we took birth into, or even collective consciousness, you know, things we hear in the news or things that are like passing through a culture, like a wave. It's about, I mean, I have been shocked actually in the last few years watching the people who are regularly working with these remedies. It's like, I finally understand what my teacher was saying so many years ago. The people who are actively working with these remedies are unfazed by outer external events. They're like so rooted into who they are as humans and trusting their intuition. When I think about the like generic support that's available through plants, you know, and you even like I interviewed Maya, she recently we talked about, you know, psychedelic and theogens and they have these different sort of like personality signatures, if you will. We think about like these big experiences, ceremonial experiences, like you said, they pack that sort of a punch. But what you're working with, and you have dozens of plants that you've cataloged and also blended together, there are very, very specific transmissions from these different plants and flowers. And I'd love for you to share like how it is that you channel that. I mean, I know that you are a high level witch. (laughs) Okay. So I know that this is probably even difficult to speak about because it's just a part of your gift, but how is it that you, you find a flower and I know you travel the world to do so you find a flower and somehow, you know, what it is that this flower can confer and the ways that it can lovingly displace all of that interference that you were referencing and support the expression of creativity, of open-heartedness, of fearless embodiment. You know, there's, it's pretty much everything I've dedicated, you know, the past, I don't know, five or so years of my life to, which is how can I land in this place and derive inspiration, you know, from this vessel. And it's why every single bottle and anybody who knows me knows my entire house is decorated with with lotus way bottles that I pick up has this, it's almost like an opportunity in it, it feels like. But how the hell does that happen, right? Like how, how do, is it that you know what these different flowers, you know, are here to offer? Mm-hmm. I started out really slowly. I started, I worked with my teacher's flowers for seven years. And I trained my, it's not even like training my own intuition. It was more like training a trust in my intuition. So I would do all these little games where I would, you know, cover up all the labels on the bottles. I couldn't see them and I would just pull them out at random, right? But it wasn't at random. It's like a sense. It's a knowingness. And I think that comes with any field of experience where you have a lot of experience. I mean, a lot of old time doctors would have their patients walk into the room and like immediately they could tell what it was. Is it that they were looking at their skin tone or the way the eyes were, or the body, or did they, you know, what was it? But they knew, they just knew what was happening with you. So in that same way, it was like, how do I train myself to be the 
sort of connector between this flower realm and people. And so people would come for sessions and then I would say, you know, pull them out ahead of time and say, are you feeling like this, this, and this? And then they would be like, how did you know? So then sitting with the flower is like, that was the next step for me. Like, how do you talk to a flower? That sounds crazy. And and in the beginning, I mean, believe me, it was hard in the beginning. You, know, you think you're kind of like half nuts, crazy. But the old herbalists would look at like the doctrine of signatures. What's the shape? How does it grow? Does it grow in relationship to other plants? Is it close by? Is it, you know, what is it, what is it doing? And then in the end, I just ask the earth to show me what is this plant do for people? And it can sound like a voice in my head, or it can be like a, an intense emotional imbalance state, you know, where I feel in myself what the imbalance is. And in the beginning, I thought I was crazy. Sure. And I just would take notes and humor myself. And then I just kept practicing for many, many, many years. And then over time, learn to trust myself. We have a group of 150 people that every single flower essence that comes out of here, we, we all test it together and confirm that all of the notes that I took and information I got is not only correct and accurate, but also add to it because other people's experience and the way they form words and vocabulary around it is different. What I really love about it though, is it's like so innate in every one of us. I mean, I don't really think I'm doing anything special. It's something everyone can do. I just have been doing it for 20 some years and humoring myself that this could be a possibility that I'm not crazy and that there actually is a level of communication that we might have with the botanical realm. And the easiest way to see that that's true is just by looking at the flowers you're most visually drawn to. People are blown away. You know, they look at some flower photographs and they pick the ones they like and then we interpret it for them and it's like they feel totally seen through like their deepest darkest secrets are now like up on the surface of the water and they're like ah how did you know but but you know you know the person who chooses knows you you chose that because you know so that means that each one of us is innately intuitive and communicates with plants we just forgot it's like being little kids when the world was magical and then we get all crusty and cynical and we forget that that whole realm is real. And, and of do course, you remember being a kid yeah. and like playing and I don't know, did you play in the grass or trees or what do you remember from being a child? No, I don't actually remember being a kid. So I may not be the best subject matter. <laughs> However, I think that the interference, speaking of interference, of a system that says you need to rely on an expert and maybe even triangulate with that expert against your own issues, problems, adversities, challenges, experiences of your body doing something you don't want it to do has like done a real fucking number on us, you know, where the assumption is that we, we don't know best. You know, I'm one of my favorite studies. I have to remember who it's by, but it was from, I think the forties. And it was these like babies who were allowed to eat, you know, whatever they wanted. And they were given these different options, right? Like raw meat or beets or whatever. And they were observed to eat pretty much exactly what they needed to heal themselves when they were struggling with like a specific kind of, you know, whenever they had a fever or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And in these very replicable patterns, you know, like the febrile kids would like eat the raw steak, whatever. And this idea that you're attracted, my mentor, Nick Gonzalez said to me, literally, I remember sitting in his office and he said to me, Kelly, patients will always want to eat and want permission to eat the foods that will heal them. And, you know, at that time I had an office full of vegans and vegetarians who probably needed to eat red meat in order to heal, right? And so when I would give them permission to do so, it was like, he would say they, you know, they, they would light up like a Christmas tree kind of a thing. And so the idea that, you know, I might know best, right? So you have a quiz and you have a card deck, right? And that I might look at these, I was going to say gorgeous, but actually some of the, the images of the flowers are actually something other than gorgeous. Like, like there is like a visceral experience. Like some of them are actually kind of like almost, I would use the word like grotesque looking, <laughs> It might be intense to say, but you know, like you get a particularly 
you know, unusual looking orchid. And it's a lot for your eyes, right? Like it's a lot to take in. And there might be some sort of pull, like there's that kind of magnetism. And what you're suggesting is that I allow my, you know, sense perception, in this case, my, you know, my eyes to take something in. And if I feel a pull towards it, that I can identify that's meaningful, right? And it's more than just like an ungrounded preference. What you're saying is that is actually the portal through which you begin to self-treat, (laughs) self-diagnose and self-heal. And I, I think the reason you've been up to this for decades and, you know, now the zeitgeist is just sort of beginning to take pace with you is because it's taken a lot for us to actually believe that, you know, I know for me, it's still something I'm legitimizing that I might know best, you know, like I, I would still prefer to have somebody else, you know, do kinesiology and test whether I should take a supplement than for me to test it for myself. There's still that sense of like, somebody can reflect better to me about me. And, you know, I've I've dedicated the past 15 years to dismantling that notion that anybody knows better than you about you or that your symptoms or struggles are anything other than you telling you about you. And nobody can interpret that for you other than you, right? Like it's the good news and the bad news. But I think that's why this is so radical. And I love the way that the system works because again, like you have almost like a paralyzingly large collection, right? Like where the hell would somebody enter if this wasn't the most high integrity rubric? Like, you know how to enter and all you got to do is like literally look at these images and look at these pictures and see how, which one calls you, right? And you've seen that there is a direct correlation between what people choose and what is likely to have impact on them. And, and then there's also the moment of connecting to feeling seen by yourself, right? It's like when I choose a flower and then you tell me what it represents and I feel seen by that, I'm the one who chose it. <laughs> so it's like, I'm the one who's, who's seeing myself and this like beautiful union begins to take form, you know? So I wonder what you have noticed since you've been doing this for so long as being some of the dominant themes. I know that you, you know, you reflected, we just had you support and sponsor Audacious Embodiment. So my recent retreat, and you shared with us that there were themes of like cards that the women were pulling over the weekend. And I'm sure you've seen themes for women specifically, like let's say in the past two years versus the two years before. And I wonder, you know, how that's informed your perspective on like what's happening for women in the world and what, what are the opportunities and what are the struggles that we are working with? Because there's going to be, like you said, the collective layer, and there's also going to be the individual punctuation of that. So I wonder, you know, sort of like putting you philosophically on the spot here, but I wonder if you, if you can share with us, because you have such a unique point of insight into that, you know, these, these phenomena with the evolution of what it is to be a woman in a woman's body, you know, in this world and where we're taking that journey, you know? Right. That's a really good question. I mean, I think we're all in different, different and similar places. And, you know, it's like walking into a garden and then you just move towards the one that you love. And then what's even more amazing is that if you, if you actually like bring it into your, in your body, on your body, it's like an unlock. So there's like, your heart has layers to it, right? Or your psyche or your ethereal body and you're unlocking them one at a time. And so sometimes it's like the order of things. You know, we, I see a lot of us, myself included, have a really hard time being more loving and compassionate with ourselves. We just love to like squeeze the crap out of ourselves. It's just so hard to be our own best friend, you know? And so flowers that amplify a sense of love and even that's hard. It's like, well, what does that mean? You know, and I, I talk to a lot of people like audacious embodiment who are like, that's what Kelly says, which I didn't realize. Because I was saying like, you know, if you got to pee, you go pee. And they were like, that's, <laughs> that's Kelly's practice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you're hungry, eat. You know, if you got to sleep, sleep. 
but all there's so so many subtle ways that we you know like pull back on the leash on ourselves so i think that as a collective what we're doing is really relearning all the ways that we feel subconsciously when maybe we're not even aware of it sometimes we are sometimes we aren't of the ways that we feel that we aren't lovable or that we don't deserve nourishment and we're rewiring those patterns to have a deeper understanding of how innately worthy we are of that love and compassion and then kind of how to get there because I mean I you know I listened to my who you know Lisa who is my business partner and she started out with her a company teaching people how to meditate through dark chocolate and she talked a lot about love and compassion and I would be like but T how do you like I still don't get it like how and I think through the use of flower essences I finally came to some sort of aha moment even just in the last month of like oh one doorway is just curiosity. Like one doorway of understanding something about ourselves that, you know, without like giving ourselves the knife to the heart, it's just by having curiosity. What would make a human being do or feel or say that? So I'm seeing this a lot. I'm also seeing some women be in a position of still sort of like picking up the pieces of 2020 and 2021. Where do I belong? Where are my people? Where can I tell the truth? Where can I not tell the truth? Where will I be met? And where will people understand what my true value is? Where will I be cherished? Is my heart actually broken? Am I grieving something? Did I have to just get down on my knees and surrender to like a dark night of the soul sometime in the last few years? And is there still some little remnants of that stuck in the fascia of the body and clearing all that out, releasing it so it's not stored in there? I see other women in this place of telling the truth. And like you said, it's more truth to themselves, it's truth to ourselves. Like first and foremost, what is that thing that is so deep, dark, ugly, secret, whatever, that we just don't want to even even look at or admit to ourselves? <laughs> and then once we work through that, to be able to put a voice to it, to share it with others, or just to like, my goodness, not always have to be this like goddamn nice girl, you know, like that we could... And I'm talking about a, this is a remedy that we have called divine truth. This one completely changed the way we do meetings. It totally changed our company and our organization. I've heard that actually from multiple men also, that in business, it's changed communication entirely because, you know, this is not your family. These are your colleagues. And so you want to be respectful and we beat around the bush and we're really nice. And that was a great idea, Kelly, but would you, you know, and it just cuts through all that crap. Well, I have to, I have to interject because I put that remedy in my matcha every single day. <laughs> so that's a, and I ain't quitting anytime soon. So yeah, fuck yeah. It is like a reorienting around what it can it be. Has, the truth. What you said before about giving yourself permission, because I think so, so many of us get like all bunged up around, like, could I have permission to feel a thing? To even just acknowledge to ourselves, like, I feel shitty, or I'm jealous, or I'm envious, or I had, you know, a terrible thought or whatever. We just don't even want to see that. And once we can actually give ourselves permission to just be human, it's not like we have to, like, express that to everybody. But if you're in a meeting and you're frustrated about something, then why is it so bad to express frustration? you know, cut to the quick. Like, why are we doing this this way? This is so frustrating. Why can't we do it this other way? Why are you doing it that way? And then what I found is that kind of confrontation. It's like when you fight with somebody that you love, you know, it brings you closer together. Yeah. It gives the opportunity for repair, right? Yeah. More engaging. Another one of the popular flower images chosen in these card decks that we shared with the women at my audacious embodiment retreat was a flower called pink torch ginger, which is in a Lotus way blend called true strength, which is fascinating to me that this was chosen as often as it was, because I literally keep this bottle on my desk and I use it every single day. So this is for when there's a recent situation that is bothering you and your thinking mind wants to minimize it and say, it's no big deal, but your heart says it's a big deal. And that's because it ties back to childhood wounds. So often relating to the divine masculine wound, this flower helps us create the strength within because self-containment is how you create safety in your world. 
And I particularly love the scent of this true strength mist because it is an experience of both safety conferred by the energetics and pleasure because of how delicious it smells. So if you want your own, head to lotusway.com and use the code Kelly15 for 15% off. The link is in the show notes for you. And then the last thing I would say is I think what's coming up for future, and I'm not a, um, this is in no way predictive, but I, I really feel that not only are we looking at, there's two things. One is, what is my legacy? Like, actually, what do I want to accomplish before I die? Whether that's like an internal alchemization or an external manifestation. What's my bucket list? How do I want to benefit humanity? What the heck am I actually doing here? And then to be able to tie things that we do on an everyday basis to that. So we know, like we are rooted that we are here for a purpose. And we've built a team around that. We have people that are going to help us accomplish that. The second thing I see happening more and more is a purging of fears. And I thought like fears, oh my God, it's so boring. Like, are we done with that? Didn't we do that, you know, in, in the last few years? But I see other types of fears arising. There's so many kinds of fears and it's like the opposite of love, right? It's not hate, it's fear. Like, for example, I collected a flower this summer for fear of starvation and famine. And at first I was like, oh, oh shit. Like, what are we in for? Because from my perspective, it gives me a window into the future because I'm always asking, what can I collect that people need right now or in 10, 20 years, the next 10, 20 years? But then I realized, no, it's not necessarily that we're actually going to go through a period of starvation. I mean, maybe, but I mean, look at 2020. There's so many things that we perceive as true that may or may not be true. So like if I can't get my, you know, entire bar of dark chocolate every day that I want, well, I might feel like I'm starving (laughs) or I might have to face the like, hmm, I feel like a little bit of sense of lack here. So from what I can tell from observing inside myself, and looking at peers and loved ones is that if you're out on the edge, if you're like really doing the work and not in the practice of numbing, if you're really, really devoted to opening and seeing and witnessing and just observing and being with it, we are in the process and will be over the next few years looking at and digging out more fear, like deeper subconscious fears that we don't even know are there or we just don't want to talk about are there or that kind of make us cuckoo. But in the end, it's an illusion. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes makes total sense. Yeah. And I think part of the alchemy of like informational medicine, if you will, if you want to call this that, which I would, is that you don't necessarily have to fetishize the dark gooey, you know, sticky, hard, scary places. You know, I think so much of the the trauma, you know, sort of wokey wokeness that we're in the midst of, you know, everybody's got their traumas and avoiding the, all the microaggressions and all the things, right? We can get to a place where we are hyper-identified with our traumas and our struggles mm-hmm. and the very particular flavors of our victim stories. And mm-hmm. The culture of the the business that you've built, the products that you offer, and the experiential ways that you and your team show up for the world in service, it's about, at least what I've witnessed, is it's about opening to receiving, right? It's about the pleasure of simply being. And it's about making contact with your divine expression and your gift, right? Like these are the things I have identified with, you know, you and Lotus Way. And none of that is like the grueling, (laughs) you know, shadow work and the grueling, you know, sort of like trauma exploration and just like sitting in the shit of my deepest, darkest pains, you know, like, and it's introduced me to a different way of... Mm -hmm you know, of rapid alchemy. You said it, you know, it's like you can truncate what might otherwise be this, this long heroine's journey into the space of a small window. And that's called alchemy, right? Like 
you know, you can, you can willfully change something or you can quickly shift it. And those quick shifts for me, you know, when, when I can move through volitionally, right. By choice through the shame wall and grab the gem in the cave and come out dancing in the space of two, three minutes, you know, of, of experiencing somebody's feedback that I didn't like, (laughs) I come out laughing, right? Like, and I feel like so much of what you are, you know, is, is that realm. And, you know, at least in my life, and I know probably in the lives of many others, you have been a great teacher. And I've told you this of what it is to help somebody learn how to receive. I always think as women, we have, I was going to make me cry. (laughs) We have like one or two people in our lives who are, are specifically placed. And I, I know I have been this, you know, for other women. And it's always like this beautiful chain of connection, you know, that women offer each other, but there's always one or two women in your life specifically placed to help you move beyond your bullshit with no, I've got this. I'm okay. I don't need it. I'm good. You know, all of that very effective strategic defensive structure. Right. And then there's a point in your life where it gets withery and dried up and like bitter inside. If you don't learn to simply say, yes, fucking thank you. You know, thank you for giving to me in a way that I can receive if I choose to. And countless occasions in ongoing fashion, you and your team have been that for me, just like showering me, you know, with love and support and really like pushing me to the brink, but not beyond of what I can hold, you know, in terms of receiving like energetically and literally, you know, gifts from you. And that is like the energy that you infuse this entire suite of offerings with is like, can you open wider to receive from others, from the world, from yourself? And that is, it's courageous work. It's scary work. You know, it's vulnerable and it's the right kind of scary. You know, it's like when we are in the presence of somebody who allows us to fundamentally relax, there is an associated fear that says, oh, well, that means that I might open here, right? And and I've only ever believed that that's problematic or dangerous or could result in all sorts of hurts, you know, that I don't want to re-encounter. And so as an adult, when you choose to open in these ways, in the right setting with the right people, person, it's something you never go back from, you know? And so that I feel like is infused in so many of these remedies is like, it's okay. It's like a whisper. It's like, it's okay to open now. Right? Like it's okay to receive now. And that's why, you know, that's why I love, you know, what you do. And, you know, so I should be clear too, that you have all of these different remedies and blends. And by the way, like putting all the healing aside, like you won't find me. I mean, this is on audio obviously, but I have literally bottles within a hand's reach in every room of my home. And it's simply because like, I'm like an olfactory kind of gal. Like I love me a beautiful scent. And I remind myself that I'm here for beauty. I remind myself that I'm here for pleasure, like literally misting myself all day long. And I don't care if it's healing me or not. (laughs) It's wonderful, you know, that this one that I have here, open heart, right? Is for fearless vulnerability. It's for uninhibited surrender and it's for intimate freedom. That is extraordinary. That all sounds yes, please. And I do it for the feeling of like how delicious these things smell and feel like on my body. So you have this like extraordinary suite of products and you also have a healing center and you also do flower lounges all over the world. And you also, you know, offer one-on-one experiences, you know, just wherever your body happens to be. And I wonder what you think about, because we were just talking about this before we started recording, about the kinds of transmissions that are available. You know, when somebody is their own healer, they go to your website, they take the quiz, they choose their remedy, they order it, it comes, they take it, they experience it. And then these subtle and very impactful, beautiful alchemical shifts begin to take form versus when people are in a group setting, working with these principles and, you know, these products, 
versus when people are in a one-on-one setting. Because I've explored this too, right? As somebody who's had a private practice, who has you know done online group work, who has offered books and stuff where people can do it themselves, and then who had you know I had my first experience this weekend, as you know, for audacious embodiment, and there is a part of me that's like all of it, you know, all of it. These are all methods and means to disrupting your patterns. And it still matters to be in person, right? Like the human body still is like an extraordinary transmitter, right? And so when we get a lot of human bodies in a room or even one human body with another human body, things happen magically that are available in our silos. However, in a different way. So I sort of like wonder what you think about all of the different ways that we can do this work together. Yeah. It reminds me that in the last month, I'm seeing something I've never seen so much as right now. And that is like, you know, we'll miss, we'll have people pick a flower and then we'll miss them or anoint them with an oil. Strangers will be at events and, you know, or someone will walk into the building. And I have never before seen it happen so many times as in the last 30 days, as you do that simple miss somebody and they just like burst into tears and wow like it's happened so many times that i've just gotten in the practice of saying it's totally normal like because even though it hasn't necessarily been totally normal it is totally normal and i feel like people are just either at a point where they're there are more people open to this kind of thing or they're just the emotions are so right at the surface that they're just ready to release them really quickly and part of that one-on-one experience i think is the okayness with just like letting it come out you know that that breakdown point that's not getting stuck in victimhood but it's just like oh like my heart is broken in this place and i just like want to like release that emotion and to have other people standing around you who also give themselves permission to have moments like that. It's like, suddenly it's okay, you know? And I've seen so many women in the last month, they'll have this moment. Like when we were at Confluence in Texas, Alan put a drop of joy juice, anointing oil. I mean, God, you just like think it's like so innocuous, you know, it's so gentle on this woman and she just, waterworks. And then she felt uncomfortable. Oh my God, I don't know what's happening to me. I'm so sorry. I have to go to the bathroom, you know? And then we just like, circled her with it's totally normal this happens all the time it's okay and like it's okay that you don't even understand what's happening to you it's a good thing and that one-on-one or group experience of like meeting someone in person like that I think is a powerful ability to hold space for somebody to transform very quickly or allow themselves to be seen really quickly does that make sense Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking about my 40th birthday when I first moved to Miami and invited you and other friends and you had me lay down on the ground. We were there like 10 of us or something. And you just like adorned my entire body with petals. And I was sobbing. Like I was like totally broken open by that experience and have incorporated it actually into like, you know, my daughter's like first moon ceremony. And I just think it's such a powerful thing to bring, right? Like the touch of a beautifully scented oil, right? The mist of, I mean, the, the scents that you work with, I have never smelled them anywhere else. Like they just like, it's just, how could something feel so clean and so pure and be so delicious and also energetic. It must be an immediate energetic transmission of like uplifting expansion and pleasure. That's the thing. Like for us as women, I speak a lot about this, our capacity, our relationship to desire is so intertwined with shame from child deep, like deep, deep psychic corruption around our God channel. Right. And that happens so early in our lives that our capacity to actually have what it is that we say we want, pleasure and joy and bliss and ecstasy and fulfillment and fun. I mean, contentedness, I mean, lower the bar even. Our capacity to have what it is that we say we want is actually so limited. My coach would call it a havingness threshold, right? So that when we begin to have these pleasurable experiences that are totally superfluous, like nobody needs anointing oil, okay? (laughs) Like really, right? Uh, We have our basic 
Maslow, you know, hierarchy needs, and that's not on it, right? No. So when we begin to encounter these superfluous experiences of embodied pleasure mm-hmm. and sensory awakening, we have to hold each other through those initial experiences to, as you're saying, normalize it and to begin to remind the system it's safe to have, right? When this is not a transactional world where now you're indebted, right? Because I was raised with that psychology, like, yeah, sure, you can have, but you better remember that you owe later, right? Because of it. And the sense that when we we move out of the realm of productivity. And that's why I'm saying, even with the Bach remedies, there's just a little bit of that energy of like, mm-hmm. fix the shit, right? Like, it's like a, just a little bit of that, maybe a lot. When we move right. out and it, it locks into this sort of like, I am broken, must fix me psychology that ultimately is still the same as any other flavor of victim consciousness. And that's why you can be on the health and wellness, you know, personal development hamster wheel forever and still be an asshole. <laughs> 20 years later after doing all the work, right? So there is an experience that at some point, I believe as a woman, and that's why I was saying these like angels come into your life, they help shepherd you into it. And there's an experience that you can open to of having, you know, just for the sake of having a fulfilling pleasure and desire just for the sake of it and of allowing, as I would say, more life, you know, and more love to move through your body. And it requires, you know, gently holding all of those blocks, right? All of those points of interference. And it's just such a beautiful way that you have of offering that. And I mean, I've certainly been one of the many blessed recipients of that. And I agree, you know, that the in-person transmission, it still matters. Tell us a little bit about your your healing space. Mm, it's the, it's called, yeah, it's called the Self-Arising Nature Center. It just gets better day by day. 15,000 square feet. We have, you know, all the Lotus Way making everything, mother essences, marketing <laughs> machine in the building. And then aside from that, we have multiple wellness practitioners. Some are permanently established here and some are visiting practitioners from other places around the country and the world. So, for example, this week we have a woman who... She's so amazing. She flew in from DC and she specializes in thermography. So for women who like don't want to get mammograms and squish their boobs and, or for anyone really who's looking for super ultra preventative, basically like a heat map, you know, photo baseline. She's doing that for this week and then teaching one of the people on our team to do it. Alan, who you know is our acupuncturist and traditional Chinese medicine practitioner. Elizabeth is doing applied kinesiology and muscle testing. And then among the Lotus Way team, we have a lot of like smoke offerings and ceremonies and flower petal filled <laughs> craziness. And we just keep growing and evolving over time. We really tend to attract people who are looking for the root cause of whatever the physical imbalance is or emotional imbalance or emotional experience or, you know, wild phenomenon that we're experiencing. It's about building a team around you, like in a similar way that we're talking about, like part of the practice of putting on the oil is, is the repatterning. It is the, you are worthy of love. Right. It is the, wow, I'm worthy of a drop of jasmine oil. That's $5,000 a pound. Like <laughs> I really am going to put that on my skin. You know, it's like, yes, you are multiple times a day, like 20 times a day if you want that. So it's, you know, it's really being able to surround people with a team that can hold space for all of that and also help us eliminate some of the confusion, you know, around what do I eat? What do I drink? How should I move? Sometimes I need, do I really need it? Probably not. Could I figure it all out myself? Yes. Working on that. But it is nice to have a group of people that have your back on all levels, you know? Or maybe you have a family member who gets diagnosed with cancer. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? You know, like there are so many amazing, like we work with a naturopathic doctor who does mistletoe injections and hydrotherapy and all kinds of supplemental, you know, mushrooms and herbs and interesting protocols that we need all that. Like my view is flower essences, energy, ethereal healing, then 10, 20 years down the road, you you don't even know the long list of things you prevented yourself from manifesting in your physical body. Cause that's like the last stop 
right? To get your attention. Yeah. So we're at Laura's way, we're, we're more on the like, let's prevent you from having anything really uncomfortable physical for the next till you until you die, as long as you stay on these remedies regularly. But maybe something is already manifested physically. You know, I'm in my 40s. I've been doing something every day for the last 40 some years that will manifest in my physical body. So now I need a friend to help me kind of like brainstorm some other ways or lifestyle changes to to mitigate that. And in other words, it's just a, a giant building that's like a refuge where you can come to find yourself, to witness yourself, to see yourself, to feel comfortable, to be okay, to be surrounded by people who are loving and who are also doing the work of looking at, you know, the crap and the beauty that lies within each of us. Because I think it's like, where I get really excited is, you know, how I was saying before, like, who is going to raise their hand and say, yeah, I've, I've like maxed out and I've reached my potential. What gets really inspiring to me is what happens with this ripple effect, what you're talking about of one-on-one or group experiences where you liberate things in yourself and other people on a more accelerated rate. So what kind of world do we live in if we're actually able to purify or transmute or let go of or dissolve in an instant, whatever weird fears we have, then are we more bold? Are we more expansive? Are we more able to receive or experience pleasure? Or are we like extremely good at weaving and we didn't know we were good at weaving? Or are we like professional roller skating ability, but we didn't know? Or dance ability or expression or singing or like what actually wants to come through our vessel that we have no idea about until this far in our life. Like there's just so much potential individually and as a collective that is like wildly inspiring. If we can just kind of like stay with it and, and get on the other side of some of these things. Amen. <laughs> From your lips to God's ears. Amen. That is the prayer, you know, I have for every human, for us as a collective is that we will follow our desires, follow our little sparks home to ourselves and come into the perfect mandala of human expression that has nothing to do with what it is that we thought we were here for, which is to get an A plus on life, right? And this <laughs> zero sum game of, you know, winning against our identified enemies and surviving until we die. That is something, you know, I know we can very meaningfully disrupt together, you know, is that story. And, you know, with, with so many of the blends that you're working with, I mean, even just in the names, right? Like sacred body or divine truth or true strength or infinite love. Like there's an, an invocation of something internal that stirs, you know, with these concepts and what I would call permission fields that are brought to bear. And it's just a very gentle reminder, you know, of what's possible. Thanks to you, I have the, like a monthly subscription and every month there is a new elixir that I get. And every time I I read the card. I'm like, wow, like, how did she know? <laughs> like, how did she know exactly what's up? And I think that's the, you know, you get that feedback all the time. How did you know, you know, what it is that's on deck for me right now? And it's because we are, we're moving in waves together. And that's why, you know, I can share whatever's top of mind for me and my own community. And the whole chat box is like, oh my God, me too, me too, me too, me too. I'm not, you know, some sort of special clairvoyant. It's because we are resonating together. And that means that there are ways that we can expand together. And it's almost like I have this visual of like, okay, we're doing it. We're doing it, right? Like looking side to side, like, yes, we're all doing this together. We're all stepping into our more audacious expression, right? And uh, I'm so grateful for your very, very specific contribution to that collective and individual effort and just so blessed to be on the path with you woman. Oh my God. And I received so much from you from just watching you in the world and watching you over the years and seeing how you are fearless on so many different ways, you know, starting with like outer fearless and then moving into the like innermost layers of fearlessness. It's so inspiring and being a part of your event I have, wow, there was this 
was it Daniela who was teaching the exercise about speaking from your body part? Oh my God, it was so <laughs> powerful. You know, it was, what was it like, get into threes. And I was sort of like, I got to get to the airport and catch my plane <laughs> mode, you know? And I was like, I'll do this last exercise. This looks so fun. And was like, oh my God, I have to choose the body part that I least love and speak from that place. And it was like instant waterworks. Every single person in my group, like, oh my God. And then your partner is like, the second part of that exercise, touching that part of your body and like giving you basically like little whispered love notes in your ears. It was like, wow, what a simple exercise. And yet I'll never forget that. Like that was so... Uh, hits you like real deep that goes somewhere really deep especially I think as a woman getting older and our bodies are changing and to you know what surprised me the most was sitting there listening to one of the women in my group and she had her eyes closed and she was talking about the thing she hated right and I was like awestruck because I was like she is like stunningly beautiful right in a way that I hadn't seen before. And I was like, how is it possible that as she's like talking from the most like painful, gritty, vulnerable, like heartbreaking place that she is quite possibly like the most beautiful I've ever seen her. And like one paradox. of the most beautiful women yeah. in the room. How is that possible? Yeah. It's the paradox of vulnerability and just what it is to recognize that feminine power, this kind of soft power has nothing to do with the masculine power we were enculturated to imagine was how we would get one up on our weak spots, our fears, right? I remember one of the first times I made contact with this was after my mentor, Nick Gonzalez, died, and I was giving like a little talk for the functional forum in New York City. And I, I could, literally couldn't stop crying on the mic, you know, and it's one thing to like, I mean, I cry all the time. It's one thing to like tear up and then collect yourself. Like this was like a socially unacceptable length. <laughs> or so I told myself of like cryingness on the mic with like a room full of people there to actually hear what I had to say. Right. And like, I couldn't finish what I was there to talk about. And I felt like ashamed and like I hadn't prepared enough and all the things, right? Because I had been used to presenting a polished product, so to speak. And, you know, the people that came up to me afterward and expressed to me that that was like the first time they really felt me as a human. I thought, wow, how could that be? You know, how could that be the thing that was wanted? And that is the paradox. And there's so many paradoxes, you know, that you are aware of and that you channel through these flowers too. It's like, you can be this and that. Surprise. <laughs> it's not this like linear black and white world. And that is, that is feminine power to me. It is the realm of complexity and paradox and what springs from true vulnerability. You know, that experience of it's like what it is to open to the birth of a baby, you know, coming through your body. It's like that realm it's like walking in the dark and knowing that you you know exactly where to step. It's just a beautiful, mysterious way of being. And so, yeah, I, I love that you, you know, we're open to that and, and we're, yeah, we're on this path together, you know, lifting ourselves and so many others up in this very specific way. Um, amazing. Amazing. All right. So I want to close with what is the, what is the remedy that you are taking these days and feeling like is on deck for you personally? Just one. <laughs> <laughs> your favorite, your pet that would have to be in the little zipper pouch that I sewed for you if you were boarding a plane. <laughs> My favorite. Oh, that's so interesting. Oh, you just pointed something out to me. So my favorite as in like the indulgent favorite, that's like mm. you want to rub it all over your body or my favorite, like I'm taking this now because I need it. <laughs> How about both? But I was asking more for the I need it. I need it flavor. I mean, this month I'm taking golden monkey flower and I'm also taking like the next product that will launch in sometime this fall, a, like a slew of flowers for getting on the other side of those weird fears whatever fears are there, any fears, any fears you have. It's almost like I had this aha moment where I thought 
in the last few months about how big I want to grow my business and how much impact I want to have internationally. And then I was like, oh, shit. I just have this feeling that if if we really want to grow to that level, every single person on the team is going to have to face their worst, mm. absolute worst, unspeakable fear. Mm. <gasps> oh, you know? So that's really what I'm focused on is can I make a space big enough inside of myself to face my absolute worst possible fear and then transform that or work with it so that I can see what is on the other side? What is the potential of getting on the other side of it? And then if you're talking just like you just want to rub it all over your body because it's this would be the luscious embodiment, the open heart, the divine truth. I just cannot get enough of those sacred heart. It's like I could just like drip, like do an IV drip to myself. I mean, scent wise, you know, Mm -hmm. because the, oh my God, they're just so good. So good. No, my pet is sacred awareness. It's interesting to me too, just on a scent level. Like every morning I put it on my body and I just like, then I, you know, go dance or go to the gym or whatever. And I just like sneak a little like sniff of my own arm is so good. So (laughs) oh yeah, that sounded weird, but it's true. And I just find that fascinating too, right? Because there must be significance in like what I find on an olfactory level, what I find in a visual level, most instructive. And then there's like, you know, you, you write these cards of what the flowers transmit and then there's the informational psychological level that you can connect with these remedies through. And it's, it's just so, so fascinating. So I'm excited to bring, you know, more sacred awareness about, you know, what it is that you're up to and your like beautifully humble way with your sweet, soft voice. <laughs> I just put my big loud ass microphone up to your mouth. And yeah, I'm just excited to put this in more people's hands and we'll make sure that everything, you know, the folks need is in, in the show notes. And yeah. You know, and if there's them. anybody, if there's anybody listening, who's like, could this be for me? Or maybe I want to try something or what would I need? Or how do I figure it out? Or, you know, gets confused. There's a whole team of us just waiting like to, to connect you with whatever will take you on your next step. Um, so don't hesitate if you're out there listening and you have like a little letter or a little interest, like don't hesitate to reach out because we love connecting people with flowers. It's actually true <laughs> that you are that available. I <laughs> uh, know it's really true. It's so, it's so rare and, and special. So thank you, my love. And until next time. Thanks for being in the world, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs>